I guess the, what I've learned from it all is those experiences don't define who I am. They're only part of who I am. And whilst I'm a soul in this body, I'm not limited to this body. My consciousness is not limited to being just Brad in this body. It's, there's you know, a much bigger world out there. So we, we do have the ability to travel and experience other things and expand the consciousness and not have a closed mind because what we get taught throughout school and the media is not really the bigger picture. It's just a, a small part. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. Welcome to ATP Radio. I'm your host, Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, showing you how to accentuate the positive, the way to a better life. Your radio station is an example of the future existing right now. Hello and welcome to another hour, Accentuating the Positive. I'm your host, Karen Swain. I'm a teacher of deliberate creation, a channel and a medium, channeling wisdom from my guides and broader perspective, whom I've called blissful beings. On Accentuate the Positive, you'll hear conversations with open hearts and inspired minds. It's my intent to put more love out through our media. It's so important to have a media diet that uplifts you, empowers you, and reminds you of who you really are, instead of a lot of the media that we get that puts you in fear. So this is why I present the show. I've got some wonderful guests lined up for you. Hello and welcome to another episode of Accentuate the Positive Media with Karen Swain. So great to have you with us again. Today I have a fascinating fellow to chat with us about his journey. His name is Brad Thornton. He's a multi-dimensional starseed. Oh look, we could come up with some names about who he is. He's a human, he's a soul having a human experience as all of us are. But Brad has had some extraordinary experiences in his life that he really hasn't shared publicly with too many people and we'll find out why. Welcome to the show, Brad. Thank you. It's um, really, it's, a, it's an honour to be here and um, wow, what an interesting um, day it will be. Yes, it was hard to, I was looking at the, when you asked to do a bio and I thought, well, wow, what do I put because there's so much and I think you pretty much covered Everything. Well, I haven't actually read your bio. This is, so this is the bio that Brad sent, and, and uh, he said that he is an ET contactee and he's been involved in the MyLab programs from an early age, which has continued throughout his life from 2009, which would wake you up in two locations at the same time. These experiences brought greater awareness of your multidimensional abilities and reality. And so, look, there's so much to discuss. Brad is actually a friend of mine. He's a member of our Inner Sanctum group. We have the webinars for the New World Teachers. So for people that, like Brad and like myself and like anyone that's listening that has a story to share and, and really wants to have that support group, I call them reminders from home because we all, as teachers, we all have to remember that no matter what's happening in the world, the heinous, horrible things that are happening to us and to other people, we have to maintain a high vibration and that's not always easy so these uh, inner sanctum webinars are to remind us and to support us and I teach and I invite other people to come in and teach and also everyone that's in the group teaches as well it's not really 
a guru on a stage. It's about all of us supporting each other. Mm-hmm. So, but Brad hasn't really shared That's... much of his story with me. So I'm going to find out as much as you are today. But from an early age, you had experiences with the MyLab. So for people that don't understand what MyLab is, what is MyLab? Okay. Um, I'm not sure who termed the, the name MyLab, but it's military abduction. How it all started for me, and this is just what we're talking about is my experiences and the, the purpose of discussing this is to help people. It's not anything other than that. Look, the first memory I had, and I didn't even, the interesting thing is before the memory started to come back, I was not even aware of military abductions or my lab. And, you know, it didn't even exist in my reality. But the first memory I have was when I was around the age of seven. I remember having this, uh, remembered having this dream where I was at this, what I saw was a, a school room. Um, it was timber on the outside. It was old, and this is in the seventies. It, it was old back then, so it would have been uh, older than that. And I remembered being able to, and this is the the weird part, but it, I remember being able to actually walk through the wall into the from the outside into the inside of the classroom, and being able to walk through the desk. That was inside the classroom, and that's all I'd remembered at the age of seven. Now, in two thousand nine, that's when things became weirder because the first dream I had, and it became a, I guess, a, a series because the same two people were in it in different dreams. But the first dream I had, I was flying through the air and flew down to this building. The architecture of it, I've never seen on this um i haven't seen it. it was really it was weird it was kind of like um it's hard to explain it was two stories there was a top window and i knew that if i went through i would have set off some type of alarm but i went in anyway and i went through and had a look and got down to downstairs and then i saw um a row of um look like mortuary tables or something like that you know they were stainless steel things and by the time I got outside I could hear a helicopter uh, coming from the distance and so I went down hitting these bushes and this helicopter landed there was a private military force they didn't have any um, you know patches on but they were in, in camouflage and there was two civilians that got out they were European in appearance and they looked to be in their 20s, I guess, mid to late 20s. And even though I wasn't visible, but they put their hands up in front of them like this and they just found me straight away. They went down and that was the first. So let me ask you, you were in your astral body. You were in your, you were flying. So you weren't in your physical body, you are in your astral form. I think so. You think yeah. so? And still not clear. They could perceive you and they were in their physical form. Yes, hmm. yes. And what and happened when they put their hands up? Well, they found me and then they walked down to me and got me and then that was it. I, I woke, you know, I woke up. But then there was another dream where there was a helicopter and they had, and this is where it became weirder because there was a scanning device on it and this is what they told me that they scanned DNA and they told me that the DNA, once a child reaches the age of seven, it, it becomes 
they can see it in this scanner thing and they look for a specific frequency in the DNA that they know that they can use the children for um, specific uh, programs, you know, to do. And it's all to do with um, the enhanced abilities of, of humans. Right. So, so this started happening at seven. Where were you living at the time, Brad? Were you in Australia? Yeah, I was living out at Lake Macquarie. At that age, I wasn't aware of, you know, anything like that happening. It was only the memories that started to come back in 2009 throughout to 2010. But then I had another memory and that was where I I saw the whole school and I remember trying to get away. Like I can describe it, it was snowing at the time, so I'm not sure where it was. And there was a lot of other kids there Mm -hmm. and... I remembered them walking me up onto some sort of um, like a kind of like what you would see at school where they do the presentations, that sort of thing, but it was outside and anyway. And they were showing the other children what they would become and there was uh, what I felt was this energy entered into my body and then everything went black and that's pretty much where that finished you know, as I said, it just got weird because I didn't understand what was happening at first. I had no reference to it, only from what they had told me through it within the, the dreams. But the dreams are really just um, recurring memories of what had happened. So what um, happened in 2009 to start the memories happening? So you were just flipping along, leading a normal life until 2009, mm-hmm. not I mean, were you investigating any of this? Were you reading spiritual books? Were you watching stuff on the internet? Uh, throughout my life, I've always been psychic and um, had a lot of experiences. We lived in a house that was haunted. Even the neighbours would see uh, spirits, you know, in the house. A lot of things happened there. And there was a lot of harassment. Like sleeping was a hard thing because there was always um, presence around. Um, and there'd be times throughout the year where I would dream about everything that was going to happen the following day, the night before. So the, everything, the people that I was going to interact with, the discussions that I had. And so I knew what the, the day was going to uh, present and it would present exactly how I dreamed it the night before. Wow. I'd had, in I think, 97, I'd had, uh, and I wasn't aware of, ETs before then, only that um, we were going to a family member's uh, birthday party out near um, Orange at a place called Mumble. There was a lot of people there. The house wasn't big enough. And so my brother and I, we slept in the back of his panel van. And there was windows all around, but there was curtains as well. And the curtains were closed. And it was about nine o'clock at night. I was went to sleep and then... I'm not sure how long it was after that, but I was asleep. The next second I know I'm actually sitting upright looking around in the back of the panel van. And the last thought I had was I was looking at my brother and I thought, oh, he's still asleep and, yeah, I'm awake, like wide awake. The next thing I know, and I thought at the time I thought I was just looking out the back of the window of the panel van. I could see the stars. I could see this red red light sort of travelling through the stars and I thought, wow, that's interesting. But then everything 
went black and then next thing I know I'm laying on this uh, a table or something and at the end of the table there was three uh, small grey beans and then everything went black and then, you know, I'm inside this um, room that was bright, that like, had bright lights and then everything went black. I woke up the next morning I thought, wow, that was the... Uh, well, the first thing I did, I looked at the back of the window and I thought, no, I couldn't have been looking out the back of the window because the curtains were closed. And I thought, wow, that was an interesting dream and I just left it at that. And then later on that day, my brother said to me, did you hear the, the neighbours making a noise around the, the, the panel van? He said, didn't you hear them, you know, um, banging the panel van? I said, well, no, I didn't hear anything, but... You know, maybe there was a correlation to what happened to me to what was causing the noise. Um, so that was the first real, and, and even then I didn't really put much thought into it. I just thought, okay, well, you know, that's what happened. Um, so how old were you at the time? When did you say that was? In, in the 90s? 97, so I was around. Oh, so you were um, young. 90, yeah. 76, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so around 2009, I was sort of looking more into the um, trying to find out who I was, I guess, you know, yeah. following, following that whole spiritual path. Yeah. Um, you know, I've read a lot of Dorian Virtue and that sort of thing. can't remember if it correlated, but there was one morning I woke up early hours in the morning. It was still dark. You know, I looked around, saw my girlfriend and... But as soon as I closed my eyes, I could see the stars. But the star pattern was different to what we'd see from this planet. And then I opened my eyes again. It was dark. Closed my eyes. I could see the stars. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting. And um, and that progressed. So that would happen about three nights a week. And after about a month, because I thought, surely I must be inside something that's sort of out in space because the stars were so clear and, and yeah. So after about a month, I plucked up the courage to turn around and have a look behind me um, when I would wake up in, in that place. And what I saw was I saw I was inside, inside a craft. I could see, you know, behind me, I could see behind me, above me, there was this long screen, a uh, rectangular screen, and that was used for star travel. So it was like, a, you know, you could see the star map and you could set waypoints and that sort of thing. And below uh, the window that I could see out of was um, two monitor screens that would um, monitor the um, craft. So you could, you know, pretty much just ask for the report and, and, yeah, the technology that was there could immediately bring up anything that you needed to know about the craft. So this was kind of new, um, but it progressed from there to I would wake up once I woke up in like a an airport, but it was like a spaceport, and that was somewhere in Argentina. Um, you were in Argentina I, at the time? Yeah, well, that's where I woke up. Oh, that's where you were, but you were in Australia and you woke up in Argentina. In yeah. Yeah. So in your physical I was body? Aware that it would, sorry? In your physical body? I don't know what body it is because <laughs> I'm awake up, I'm in in you know, in the bedroom at home and then but as soon as I close 
my eyes, I can see that I'm somewhere else. Like, yeah. It's uh-huh. just like looking being somewhere else. So I'm not sure yeah. what. I, I want to explain that for people is. that are listening. I've had this experience as well too and it was during a time when I was in my 30s that I was reading a lot of books and and one was a a book um, that Peter Richelieu wrote called The a, a Soul's Journey. And I had this experience of going to sleep at night and then being in a higher dimension in a classroom and asking some questions and moving up through dimensions and then it's a long story. And then I came back into my body and I was in and out of my body simultaneously. So I knew I was in my body but I knew I was not. Mm-hmm. And yep. and then when I'm talking to my guides after I like, said, what? happened because I never had the experience of floating above my body and looking down at it like I just was in two places at once and they said it's just a focus it's just like a camera lens you're here and you're there just because you're like focused in that place so when you're focused here that's what you see it's like when you look through the camera lens that's all you see but if you move it you see something completely different so they just said that you're here and there simultaneously but your focus is either here or there and sometimes it can be both so I went oh that makes sense and I think that's what you're trying to explain yeah yeah exactly so I would wake up you know being on craft with other beings um in places where there was military and other beings um and What's interesting is like there was times where I'd wake up and look at the being or look at the the military officer and they would know that I was there because they would turn around and look at me. So and that I, I still don't fully understand how that happens apart from what you've, you've just explained. Um, but with the MyLab stuff, so those memories that I had come back, um, then there was the the warnings not to talk about the information that I had come back in those memories. So was um, this when you were so my lab is spelled M I L A B, military yeah. something. What does it stand for? Mili- uh, military abduction. Yeah, but it, the, but those letters stand for something. M I L. No, it's just a my M I L military and A B. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, all right, okay. Well, that's something I learnt today. So, my lab yeah. is basically what it, the that's been coined by people that have been through the experience, not so much the government, like people that are that have actually. No, like it's, it's many project names mm-hmm. um, that are related to different projects that people have been through. Like I'm aware of some of the names. So basically let's just clarify this for people that don't know anything about it. So the military, whoever they are, I don't know, because if this is happening to you in Australia, we've heard a lot about it happening in the US, but I guess it's just a global phenomenon. It doesn't actually have to be a country. It doesn't have to be. It's just that a lot more people are talking about it in the US. There are some military, and I don't know who they are. Is it a global military? Is it a US? Is it Australian? I don't know who they are, but um, I guess, you know, secret space or whatever, somebody, some group of people are scanning humanity and looking for children that have a slightly different DNA sequencing and they have more developed intuitive abilities, let's say. And so they have taken these children 
into classrooms or into facilities and tested exactly what they can do and some people have experienced a lot of trauma during that and some haven't but um, it seems like a incredible story but a lot of people are talking about it it's happening it's happening to yeah. a lot of people. Um, it was traumatic the things that happened and although I, I don't want to go into that whole side of things because it's not really serving a, a purpose but um, it wasn't traumatic purpose... to you as a child because you didn't remember it it was only traumatic um, when not... you had the memory recall no, looking back, the things that happened to me throughout my childhood were traumatic, like the experiences that I had. Um, and looking at it now, I can see the, the correlation. And the because my lab, well, and I don't really like the term my lab, but people that have been involved in the, the projects controlled, like they have my, you know, like, um, a minder as such or you know, a few and they can often be um, your partners. So what I found interesting was like my first long-term partner I dreamt about about a month before in vivid detail. I knew, you know, when I in the dream I saw her parents' place, what it looked like inside, I saw her, you know, what she looked like, what she was wearing and so I knew that that woman was coming along and sure enough, you know, um, she appeared through another friend at you know at my front door, and so I knew. And it was she was wearing exactly what I'd saw. Forget internet um, dating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, then after that relationship finished, uh, the the next one, you know, the same thing. So I knew, and then but that. There was all a level of control within those um, people. And then after I that relationship, and that's like periods of years, so years went past, like seven years, eight years, each relationship. And then about two weeks before I left um, my ex-wife, I had this dream where I knew that the next one coming along was uh, she worked in uh, like a chemistry type field, and I knew it was going. I was going to meet her through a friend of mine, and I knew what she would look like. And so I told my friend, I said, "Look, you know, it hasn't happened yet, but I'm telling you now. So when it does happen, you know that you know, I've already told you." And I said, "Look, this is the person I'm going to meet. This is what she looks like. I'm going to meet her through through you." And sure enough, that's how it happened, and that was my last relationship before I met Susanna, who, you know, I married. and But I didn't see Susanna coming, and that's a whole, you know, different thing. But towards the and that was around 2009 when I was with my ex, and that's when things become really weird because with the war, like with the memories came the warnings because I started to talk about it with, with family, the information that, you know, was, was coming forth. I would get warned in dreams, but then it became real, real because it was also uh, happening in physical. So at the time I was um, doing lawn and garden maintenance for Strata, Strata Properties. So I worked with a team of guys 
And one of the properties that we went to, all the guys got out of the, the work truck and, you know, they had their lawnmowers and other, you know, gardening tools and that. So it was quite obvious that what we were doing there, except this lady walked up to me. She spoke very, very quickly about many different things at one time. And now, from what I understand, it's a form of uh, hypnotic uh, technique. Like they can, it's kind of like to put you off centre. And, and she claimed to be a resident there and she was just coming to see, you know, who we were and what we, what we were doing. And I thought, well, it's quite obvious what we're doing. And, you know, I used to wear this photo ID and she actually, she grabbed hold of it and he ripped it off my shirt to have a good look at who I was. And all the time I knew that she wasn't who she was saying she was. I knew that she wasn't a resident. Anyway, so I let her walk off. You know, I explained who I was. I let her walk off and then I, I followed her. And sure enough, she walked across the road, got in her car and drove off. And she wasn't even parked in the resident parking. Um, the other experience I had was after I had a, a warning from this guy in his dream, probably a month or two months later, this guy actually showed up at a different location and, like, the lawnmower, I, was, I had run out of fuel, so I went back out the front to refuel it and, you know, bent down, put, put the petrol in the lawnmower and as I bent back up, this guy's in front of me. And the first, without even thinking, the words that come out of my mouth was, I know you. That's how the conversation started because I was interacting with a lot of people at the time but this this inner feeling that you have, that I had with this guy was, you know, flags were, red flags were going off. But what I noticed, he had tattoo around his right wrist of alien symbols and I've never seen anyone with alien symbols tattooed around tattooed on them like a, and the tattoo was uh, it looked new so it didn't look old because he asked me my name and he did the same thing as this other lady grabbed hold of my id and he ripped it off my shirt to to have a look and then he said oh his name was julio and he told me he was from gosford he was coming up to newcastle and but after a conversation of about five, and I knew he wasn't who was saying what he was, but I couldn't really get into detail because there was, I had other workmates around and I didn't really want to sound, you know, weird to ask the questions. But after about five minutes, I noticed I could see his, because he was standing at probably about five, six foot away from me, and I could see his whole profile view, but I could see his body was vibrating up, up and down by about this much. It was going like this. And... The second that I saw that, his demeanour changed from happy to he became very worried and he just said to me, just keep doing what you're doing and I'll see you later and, you know, and left. And I thought, bizarre. And it was only that I found out later on that it was a, a being that was cloaked as a, a human and the being was much taller and, and much bigger. So that was creating the, the real, that was putting the realism into the memories that, that I'd had. And because in 2010, there was a, a lot of uh, warnings and um, there was uh, attempts to, to get rid of me. And there was war 
like 2011, and I've documented all this. Like I've kept a document, um, a record of things that have happened. And in 2011, I'd moved out of, um, I'd left my partner at the time because things were getting weird with her as well. So what I noticed was that before I moved out, if I'd mentioned certain keywords to her, she would go into like a a recorded, pre-recorded thing. So she would say, so, yeah. And I noticed, yeah, I noticed that it was the same, response was the same words each time. But she was also saying other things as well, which, and I knew it wasn't her because she'd never said it before. And she said, you know, I I love getting the kids when they're young so I can program them. And I, I thought, okay, this is not her. She's not said things like this. And anyway, so one day I thought, I'm really going to push this because I knew that it wasn't her that was saying these, you know, giving, telling me to shut up otherwise, you know. And because it was, you know, she said, oh, yeah, if you don't shut up, I'm going to call the mental, you know, people to come and collect you. And then, but I really so pushed you, it this day. You were sharing some of your experiences with her and she just thought you were just batshit crazy basically. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it wasn't really, it wasn't hardcore stuff. It was just the memories that I had come back. So this day I pushed it and pushed it and pushed it. And finally what happened was she said, if you don't shut up, we're going to send you in for reprogramming. And I thought, okay. And that's I just stopped there. I thought, okay, I'll leave her. And I left it for a few days and I said to her, you, what, what did you mean when you said to me, if, if I don't shut up, we would send you in for reprogramming? And she said, I never said that. And she had no memory of actually saying it because I knew that it wasn't her that was saying it. They were just going uh, through her. So in 2011, there was, there was one night, it started about 11 o'clock. Um, I could hear this whole recorded message, which continued, it was on a loop continued through to about five o'clock the next morning and it's pretty much it was a guy's voice who said if you don't shut up we're going to do this if you don't shut up we're going to do this and if you don't shut up we're going to take your daughter away from you okay i'm getting a lot of guidance around this you know i've not said much but there's been a lot said to me during the whole this whole conversation. Okay. What's being said? Because I'm interested to... Well, to, um... they're telling me the importance. Okay. So in my 30s, I did a lot of healing workshops, energetic healing workshops, and we were playing with energy and reading people and, and playing with our psychic abilities and, and astral um, remote viewing and doing a whole lot of, you know, playing with energy, but focused on healing the physical body but there's so much more you can do. It's not just about, you know, fixing a, a, a physical form. It, it, you know, there's so much more we can do with our consciousness and humanity for a long time hasn't realised exactly how powerful we are. But so back when you were a kid and I was a kid, you know, maybe this MyLab stuff was happening, but consciousness has exploded in the last 20 years and so 20 years ago, I was doing energy healing workshops and, and, and discovering all this stuff and talking about how we're, you know, shifting our DNA and we can activate DNA. We were looking inside the pineal gland and, and looking at the telomeres at the end of the um, DNA threads that fray and, 
and because they fray, the body ages and we were erected like we were doing all this 20 years ago. And the energy healing has just exploded across the planet. So it's not going to stop anytime soon. And Mm. I went a couple of years ago to visit uh, someone who came out here doing some more energy healing. I read his book and I thought, oh, he's a bit on the leading edge. Let me go check out his work. And I found that a lot of the people that do these seminars were older women who had no intention of using it as a modality and setting up shop and actually helping anybody else. They were just doing it because, and it was costing a lot of money, but they were just doing it because they wanted to do it and it was interesting. And I, and I posed the question, why are these people doing it if they have no intention of actually using it as a healer or an energy healer or some sort of energy worker? And I got the answer because the more people who awaken to their reality of their multidimensional self and their infinite possibility, the more, you know, critical mass, the more it awakens in the minds of humanity. And so just holding the knowledge is enough. Just having the memories is enough of who we are as infinite beings. And, you know, it doesn't really matter how many MyLab people out there are trying to stop people from exploring this and talking about it. It's just... They're just beating a dead horse. That's just not going to happen because it's just exploded across the planet. And energy healing workshops are happening, you know, on every corner now. So there's no stopping it. (laughs) There's no shutting people up anymore. It's like it's just not going to be stopped because humanity is awakening and we're remembering. So the message I got, they said that's why it's important to gather in physical groups and to be together physically, not just on the internet but physically because I've actually asked that question recently because I do all my groups on the internet and they've been hounding me to start some physical groups and I've been saying, yeah, 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 I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. But they were saying that's why it's so important. There's something about being together physically and holding a different frequency that is beneficial and powerful. Christ yeah, said, when two or more gather in my name, you know, the energy is exponential. So whoever it is that's out there that's trying to shut you down or shut anyone down that's talking about this stuff, it's not going to happen. There's no shutting it down. It's just... Uh, no. But what I'd like to say is I learned from all the experiences that I had with that, I've learned so much. Like I've learned that humans are, are powerful beings, and no matter what happened within those projects or programs, the those programs are not more powerful than who humans are. So, mm. the things that had happened, it made me realise that you know I didn't have to actually play that that game, and there was memories that I'd had of not playing that game, like trying to get away and, and doing certain things to the people that were in the program, the, the leaders. You said that you've had some regression sessions because you had memory and then you sure. sort of had a beginning memory and then an end memory and you needed to fill out what was in this, you know, in between those two memories. Yeah. Um, Do you... Like one of the memories... Yeah. Yeah, one of the memories I'd had was I was being driven to somewhere... It was a bush location. There was lots of uh, gum trees. The car that I was in was a Ford XF Ford. It was a maroon colour, which I think is uh, an anniversary colour. So it was around the 87 
1987 model. Um, I was driven past the entrance to an underground facility um, and then up to the right and around a little bit, which was a parking area. And then I was walked back down by this gentleman and another gentleman, an older gentleman, probably around uh, 50s in a military um, uniform, drove out in a Toyota Land Cruiser that was around the same uh, year model that was the, the Ford. It was white. Um, I got into the Land Cruiser with this gentleman and we drove into the tunnel um, leading into the underground facility. So I remembered what it looked like, what was on the side of the wall of the tunnel and being driven in and then it opened up like it was a big dome facility, like it was massive and there was like other cars and, and trucks and that parked in there. And I remember seeing like an entrance to which looked like a, a guards type building and, and that was it. And then I remember being driven back out and, and no memory of what was in the middle. And that seemed to be the theme with most of the memories that I had come back with mm-hmm. things that I did through those programs. And so I thought, okay, I need to find someone I can trust that could do the hypnotic regression. And it just so happened that a friend of mine had recently started doing the hypnotherapy. And so I thought, well, we'll give that a go. And, you know, I said to him, look, this is going to sound really weird, but we'll just go with it and see what comes out. So, and he recorded it all. So I've got a recording of that. So I remembered through the hypnotic regression what happened when I went to that underground facility and it wasn't, I've been there on more than one occasion. So one time at the night and one time of the day that I remember. Um, so what and, happened, Brad? Okay. <laughs> I won't go into a whole lot of detail, but I was pretty much walked through, walked down. Um, there was a whole row of like offices and I went into a room and there was another gentleman there that was like high military, high ranking military. And there seemed to be division within the Navy that's like naval space, but like it's because the officers that I saw were like um, the high ranking ones, like the uh, generals, you know, they had the uniform on. Um, And so there was discussion there and then I was sent through to another part and, that program was somehow it was space related. Yeah, that's that's all I'll say. It was related to space. There was things that I was involved in in doing that. So you go down to this military facility and it's related to space. Were, were they testing you? Were they asking you questions? Were they what were they doing with? There was there was questions asked first by this military officer and then I was taken somewhere else to and I vaguely remember seeing some type of craft and and there was um, things that had happened with that and I don't want to go into the specifics of the program because it's not really important um it's not important but I have a, a pretty good idea where the facility is uh, I haven't actually physically been there, um, but I've got a pretty good idea where it is. It's, I think it's out somewhere out near Blue Mountains, um, around that area. Well, you know, I've been watching Cosmic Disclosure and hearing about all these underground facilities that the Secret Space Program has. 
And it doesn't surprise me that they would be in Australia because Australia is such a huge landmass and it's so empty. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so empty of population. So there could be just so much happening out in the desert because it's so vast. Absolutely. Because there's not a lot of land left on the earth that isn't populated in some way. And Australia is quite unique in that it is so vast and so empty. So there's what is going on out there in the desert? Like who knows what's happening out there? <laughs> well, my grandfather worked on the Snowy River Hydro Project. He told my mother, like years later, he said, you know, there's also tunnels that run from Canberra to, to Newcastle. And he told my mother where the entrance is in Newcastle oh. um, and some other stuff that he'd been involved in. So he was also involved in the Freemasons and some other group. That, that, and this is stuff that he told my mother years later. And, you know, what's interesting is I joined the Freemasons years ago and, you know, I had this dream that said, you know, it'd be good for you to join the Freemasons, you know. <laughs> and so I thought, okay. And this is when I wasn't aware, like, as aware as what I am today. So I joined this lodge and... And I looked at a, there was a photo up on the wall of another lodge that had um, migrated to that, to that same building. It was taken in the early, I don't know, 1940s, 1920s, something like that. But I thought, geez, that person looks familiar. And it was my grandfather. Mm-hmm. It was taken when he was about 20-something, so it had his name there and I thought, wow, okay. But I was with the Masons. For- so what I'd like to ask you is during your hypnotic progression, did you find out the agenda of your soul? Like why did you take on a physical body? Where do you normally hang out when you're not being human? And did you have some mm-hmm. agreement with some extraterrestrial <laughs> or higher dimensional group and said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be take on a physical body. Like, did you find out any of that? Yep. In 2010, after an experience that I had where there was an attack, I was taken to something because I made it through that and I was taken to somewhere else and there was a group of people there and I was interacting with um, two people. Um, and the male, he told me all this information. He said, you know, you chose to be involved in this program um, your genetic father is different to the physical father that you have um, and told me the name of the genetic father and he told me the name of the program that I was created in, like the genome program, which was so the DNA was changed to fit the needs of being taken into the military program. So I knew that... <laughs> Because at first I was in the victimhood thing, you know, why has all this stuff happened to me with the military stuff? And so it changed my perspective to being not victim to, okay, I chose this, I chose to come through and experience all this and to bring it forth the information into this reality and to create awareness because going through that experience, it's hard. Like it was hard. Emotionally it was hard. And because there's lots of programs in play, there's lots of um, control. Um, yeah. It is hard, but you know what's hard too? Being human's hard. <laughs> like most people's sure, backgrounds sure, are, are pretty stressful. I don't know too, well, actually I know a few, but I don't know too many people that have not had to overcome 
trauma and disease and beating and abuse and and that's not has nothing to do with black ops or military programs that's just family (laughs) that's just in the family and conditioning and lies and deception oh my god just watching my mother and father sling mud at each other and use us as weapons towards each other you know we were just the three kids we were used like weapons to hate the other like we went through hell too and we had nothing you know, we weren't in black ops programs. It was just a human disjointed family. So we all have to overcome all those traumas and return to love and return to the source of our being and knowing who we are as infinite potential, unconditionally loving souls having a really strange time in a human experience. So definitely. Okay. Um, So what Group of beings, I suppose that your soul may be not connected to any group of beings, but do you know what group of beings that you're connected to? That I've interacted with many different yeah. types of beings. Um, okay, so I guess I have had an experience where I met some family, and but I have no names for the beings that they are because I don't have reference point to the names. Um, but they look hybrid. They're human and, you know, a different race, um, but no reference to the name. After I met Susanna, my wife, that's when things started to get stranger because Susanna had never had any experience with ETs or anything like that until she met me and then, you know, they, and this is where things sort of ramped up because they would show up. And so it wasn't only me seeing them, but Susanna would see them and... Also, the increase in the um, military side of things increased as well. So there was harassment that would could happen just about every night. Um, there was a, a guy, that, and Susanna, we would both see him. He was a remote viewer from the military. And we could pretty much work out what his shift days were because he would it will always be on a certain day and then it will continue and then he would have his days off. I know what the guy looks like because you can reverse that as well. With anyone looking at you remotely, you can follow that energy back and actually look at and see where they are and what's happening around them. So, And, you know, like during some of the energy workshops I did when I was young, and this is what I you can actually shut your energy down so that they can't see you. You know, I remember dating an Indian guy years ago and then he was deported back to India and he was on the phone to me. It was before I had a computer, I think. And he said, I can see you sitting on your couch, you're wearing this, you're sitting on this side of the couch, it's a sunny day. Like he was remote viewing as we were talking on the phone. It was really fascinating that he could see me so clearly as if he was in the room. He was describing what I was wearing and and that's when I started to sort of discover this remote viewing thing and like wow you know I started exploring that but you can we do have the ability like we're not victims to any of this stuff even though it's freaky and strange to the mainstream mind to the unawakened mind we have the ability to even though we can't see it with our physical eyes but we can energetically with our consciousness shut and open and shut and open and allow it or not allow it Yes, something else to play with. But so he was seeing you and did you, and you could feel him looking at you. Did you, you know, shut down that connection? Not at that stage because there was a whole lot of other things um, playing out as well. I eventually found 
someone that could help me. And what she saw and what was removed was um, there was a lot of stuff and that was connected to... And it's interesting because once those things were removed, things it changed and... Um, Sorry, no, I've drawn a blank. You know, the thing about all of this, everything, every situation that happens to us, be it normal or strange, happens because we are a, a vibrational match to it. And, exactly. you know, there's a lot of fear going around on the internet with talking about this secret space programs and reptilians and aliens and out to get us and control and mind. I mean, this whole mind wiping, this, this forgetting experiences, the ETs do that really easily to us. I mean, it looks like that it's where really our human mind is really easy to manipulate and that we can be have complete things wiped. Like I spoke to Sherry Wilde, who's, you know, our next guest on the Inner Sanctum, who had all these amazing experiences and didn't remember any of it until she went into hypnosis. But then again, she also realised that was the contract of her soul because she wanted to have a human experience and simultaneously be a part of an extraterrestrial experience but not have memory so she could have a normal human experience. I mean, that was actually a contract. But that's also the contract our soul makes when we take on a human body. We come into the human body and have complete amnesia about who we are as multidimensional, infinite potential spiritual beings as an extension of source energies. So it's happening on many different levels, you know, this amnesia and the and the challenge as a soul having a human experience is to have memory returned. And that is the memory of, our, you know, who we are as souls as well. And that's not an easy ride, but that's the challenge we're up for during this experience called life is to widen that gap and have that door just open more and more and more and more and that memory return of who we are and who we are. But who we are when we're not involved in all the dramas that we can experience here is this pure positive energy, pure potential, pure creative potential. And when we vibe at that level, we are in complete control of the experiences that we have, no matter what's going on in the earth, in the universe, in the cosmos. So the challenge here is to keep our energy high. It's to keep our it's to keep loving, not judging, to love all of it, you know, the reptilians, <laughs> the Draco, just well, to love all of it, to see it all as the play and the dance of the cosmos. Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned the reptilians because mm-hmm. what it's taught me throughout all the experience and is the ones that have caused me the most pain have been the greatest teachers. Okay, it's taught me unconditional love and unconditional love is loving everyone and everything, no matter who they are, what they've done and truly loving them because you see them as a a soul. They're living this experience regardless of what being they are Mm -hmm. and you see the purity of who, who they are. So unconditional love, compassion, compassion for all beings, and once you reach that point, you can interact with all being on an equal understanding. <laughs> yeah, because everyone has different stories playing out and they may not be nice to you, but that's their stories. And it, 
guests have reached the point where you can see what's happening. With, you can see the stories playing out with the person and so you don't buy into it but you give them love and compassion. Mm-hmm. I guess the, what I've learned from it all is those experiences don't define who I am. They're only part of who I am. And whilst I'm a soul in this body, I'm not limited to this body. My consciousness is not limited to being just Brad in this body. It's, there's, you know, a much bigger world out there. So we, we do have the ability to travel and experience other things and expand the consciousness and not have a closed mind because what we get taught throughout school and the media is not really the bigger picture. It's just a, a small part. Throughout the years I've been, because I have memory of using the abilities, telekinesis and that sort of thing. So I've really been focused on honing those abilities. So it's interesting because, you know, I made a side wheel, you know, the paper thing on the you know, toothpick and I had it on my computer desk for months and I had my hand there and that thing would not move, you know. I'd be focused on it, telling it to move and there'd be nothing. <laughs> and after about seven months, um, I, I come home from the gym one night. I was doing an exercise program, and I just had my hand there, and I was just doing stuff on the computer. And I looked down, and I was like, this thing's spinning around like. <laughs> but that's the that so, is that is you know deliberate creation one hundred and one. When we want something to happen. Our resistance, our wanting in a way, uh, is buying into an energy that actually doesn't allow it to happen. But it does well, it put, blocks it. It, do, it blocks it. But it does put an intention out into the universe. And then when we let it go, like want it and then let it go, it happens. Like you said, and that's actually, that happened to me when I read those books. I said when I was in my 30s and I'm like, I want to do what this guy does in the book. And that just, I was wanting that for months and months and months and months, maybe even a year or two. And I remember it happened when I forgot about it. Like I just totally let it go and forgot that I wanted it. That's when it happened and happened powerfully. So it's so interesting. That's the creative process is to not have any resistance to what we're trying to create. Just knowing it is a part of your normal and you know we have these conversations talking about aliens and my labs and secret space programs and all this sort of paranormal stuff ghosts and spirits and yada 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 but it is actually a part of our normal it is a part of our normal consciousness it's just not been a part of the normal collective paradigm humanity has lived in the last couple of hundred years I suppose because it hasn't been but it is now becoming a part of our normal what I'd like to ask you Brad is why do you think those people be it military or whoever wanted to keep it all secret wanted it not to be a part of our normal paradigm what's their agenda in in you know minds mind wiping you and, and having no memory they're they're obviously taking kids like you and I don't know if they're still doing it now but they did like 20 or 30 or 40 years ago and experimenting with your uh, intuitive and and, and telepathic and and psychic abilities and exploring that but not really showing that to 
humanity just all secret in their own little world. Why do you think they do that? That is a good question. The feeling that I have is that it came from after World War II finished, there was the Germans that come over and project paperclip to the US, and I think that the Germans were doing that sort of thing before and they brought that over um, because the Europeans that I saw, and, you know, they looked to be either Austrian, like around that, that area. As to why they were doing it, I think there's, you know, a lot of gains they were worth because they were enhancing the abilities that were in the DNA so they were really focusing that energy. And there was a connection with other beings. So, and I, I kind of knew, but it was confirmed that there was these other like holographic bodies that were created on board a craft that they were using to interact with Susanna and I. And it was only after that that they were removed that things sort of calmed down. And it, since, you know, I haven't had any um, other stuff to do with the, the MyLabs for years now, which has been good like I'm aware of it but um it's just not part of you my life it's, mm-hmm. yeah because it, you know but you've also shifted your vibration too yeah, exactly it's a lot higher than what it used to be yeah and, I mean you've been and, dedicated to your spiritual path and you've been yeah. loving and non-judgmental and yeah yeah and that's all part of it mm. um so I can only speak of the the programs that I've I was aware of like the the different things that I did, and that was some of it. I can't talk about because it's just yeah. Um, but other things like like I remember being in France, and there was words that I remembered that I had no memory of before, and I actually went through and checked using Google, and sure enough, they and I think a lot of fear as well because there are those that know the true potential of humans. And if, if humans, like if people understand that through thought you can create your reality, through focused thought you can do a lot of, uh, you know, create a lot of good um, because it's all thought. It's, it's all thought. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know. I'm having a conversation with um, Marina. Her name's escaped me for a minute. And we're talking about the quantum structure. And I think when we really understand the quantum structure, how what we're perceiving through our five apparatus called our senses is a very limited view of of reality and that it's all just energy and information, you know, in a quantum field. When we really get to understand that all this stuff that we're talking about, remote viewing and being in two places at once and teleportation, all that is just going to unravel so easily. You know, there's such a such an unraveling of all this. There's such an exciting future out there for what we can do and how we can play with, you know, we talk about creating our own reality from a human perspective. Most people think, oh, good, I'm going to create money and a new car and a nice house and a holiday. You know, we think about, but what else can we create? We can create time travel and we can create teleportation and we can create, we can clean up the pollution in a nanosecond. You know, there is so much to create with our focused consciousness. It's just so much to create. It's not just about a new car and a nice house, but we can create all that too. And the human potential is exponential, yeah. And um, well, it's, yeah, it's interesting that you brought up time travel. 
I'll discuss how I got to that point. So, like, one night I had this dream where I was taken to an underground facility in Sydney. You know, it was like it was one of the big high-rise buildings. Walked through, was met by a female officer. Susanna was there as well. And we went down in this lift. I remember Susanna saying, well, why don't you stop the lift with your mind then? You know, and was joking about it. Because to it was, you? Yeah. Said that to you? Yeah. So... The lift stopped. It went down about eight floors from the lights that I saw as it was going down each floor and it opened up into like an operational centre that was two levels and the top level had a staircase that sort of went straight down into the bottom level. And I was asking her, look, and this is at the time where I wasn't fully aware of what was happening and I said to her, look, you know, what's going on? She said, well, you need to speak to the, the general, right? So we walked down the stairs and on the right I was met by the general and Susanna and this female officer walked off to the left. And I said to him, look, I want to know what's going on. And he said to me, well, isn't it enough? And I wasn't married at the time. He said, but isn't it enough that we're allowing you to marry? And he mentioned a different name. Um, He called Susanna by a different name. And I said, but that's not really telling me what I want to know. And we walked off around to the right and around the corner and down a bit and he opened up a manila folder and there was a photo of um, a person and there was all this information and that was the person that I was meant to go visit. And closed back up and I woke up and I woke Susanna up. I said, we had this dream and I said, but they were calling you by a different name and I couldn't remember the full name and I said, they were calling you by this and she said, no, she said, it's this. So she remembered the, the other part of the name and she told me what she remembered. So we were both there and she remembered. She said, oh, when we went down to the, she went off to the left and she said she went down to this uh, like holographic type computers and she was running these uh, scenarios. So she was looking at the outcomes of the scenarios and that was her role. And I thought, okay, wow, that's just bizarre. So the second time being there, I was, and Susanna wasn't there, I was taken in, in, it was underground, so we are in this boat thing that was sort of taken up out onto the water in Sydney. We went around to the right and there was the, the dock where the naval ships and that are, and, but they had the old Collins-class submarines docked there and they looked like they'd been there for a while. And I said to the naval officer, they had the Collins class. He said, yeah, but we don't use them anymore. He said, the ones that they use now can get from one part of the world to the other half within like 12 minutes. And I thought, okay, well, that's weird. And I didn't realise at the time. I'm a bit confused. What are you looking at? You're looking at columns of what? Columns of? Collins class submarines. Oh, submarines. You're looking at submarines. Right. And and he's saying... The new submarines they're using, they can get from one half of the world to the other in how long? About 12 minutes, 12 minutes. Okay, far. And I thought, okay. <laughs> so I didn't realise that we were in, it was like a parallel earth because we got up out of the boat and Sydney looked a little bit different, but there was no, what I noticed was there was no pollution, there was no vehicles. Um, like there was no cars or trucks or anything. It was, it was just so pure. The air was so clean. Buildings looked a little bit different, but and there was 
these tour guides. So they had these tour guides that had these little handheld devices and the device could bring up information about any building within the the uh, city and they could teleport the, the groups that they had to, you know. Now, I saw some other things, but I'm not going to say anything because if, if someone else has there, been there, they would be able to actually... So, so you went to a future Sydney. You went to a future. Yeah, Sydney. it was um, a parallel. Parallel um, Earth. Earth. Yeah. But um, was it the year, it. the same year you were currently in, or was it in the future? Like, was it, you know, two thousand and fifty or something? Well, I saw someone that I knew there. Mm-hmm. Um, like I saw my daughter there, but she was about twenty-four at that time. Okay. Um, the, but I'm not sure how time actually works because you know parallel could be you know in not parallel time but parallel you know as in similar yeah so i was taken to this restaurant the food there was there was no meat products it looked like meat and i was trying that's what i was trying to my mind was trying to work out okay it was called by a different name it looked like meat but it wasn't meat and i'm saying but is it like chicken you know and but there was no re- reference. So, but I did speak to other people. There was lots of things happening. But if we can get to that point, if humanity can reach that point where there's, because there was no control, like the, there was no government control like there is now. And there was a, a lot of freedom, but there was no violence or anything like that. It was just a high level of um, being. You know, it's reminding me, you were in the last sanctum we had with uh, Garnet Schulhauser. He spoke about, did he speak about the parallel earth or is that in his latest book? I think it's in his latest book. There's a couple of things in his latest book. This is Garnet Schulhauser who is taken by his spirit guide in his astral form mostly, you know, around the cosmos and to different timelines and parallel realities and planets and into inner earth and talks to Garmin. He has quite some adventures, I tell you what. <laughs> I'm envious. I wish I was doing that. <laughs> well, maybe I am and I don't remember. Who knows? But in his latest book, which is just about to be released, he speaks about going to a parallel earth. But he also speaks about, and this is so interesting because you haven't read his fourth book yet, I don't no. think either. And no, it's he, not out yet. he speaks about a ET being, an alien being, a higher dimensional being who is here on earth, and there's plenty of them apparently, who worked at a university as a woman, as a lecturer in the university, he explains exactly what you explained about that guy. She has, she's cloaked. So to our human eyes, our human perspective, she looks just like a normal human and she lives a very normal human life. But when she spoke to Garnet in his astral body, she uncloaked herself So she turned off some frequency, a program, she flicked it and she appeared as a completely different species. But So she's a higher dimensional alien being who's having a physical human life and nobody knows. And and that fascinated me. I thought how many more people are out there that we think are humans that are not? (laughs) Like that fascinated me. So it's interesting that the two of you are speaking about the same things, yeah. Well, I had an experience earlier on where it was in dream form, but I was taken on board this craft and it was the 
like the Ferrari of crafts, you know, it was like <laughs> really high tech. The lighting, it was like a pale blue lighting inside and it was like um, I think it was four beings but they all look like, uh, they look like brothers and they look like Greek Greek guys, you know, the shoulder length, the like curly hair and that. And this is in when I was still learning about the ET. So they said to me, you know, one of them said to me, always ask the important questions. Another one said, you know, we, we bend the light around the craft so it's invisible. Mm-hmm. And they said, but we interact with people. And they took me out into the main highway of Charlestown and we were walking around in, in, within people, but we had the light bended bent around ourselves so we were invisible. God, what was the other things they told it's me? Like, oh, it's it's like Harry Potter and the cloak of invisibility. Exactly. He... One of them was showing me something with ants, like he was doing something with, with his finger and, and his hand and ants. And I said, well, let me feel the energy that you're using to do that with the ants. So he, you know, I could feel the, the energy. Like I've had messages from different beings, you know, like uh, the, not the Arcturians, the Andromedans, you know, like taking on board one of the big mothership and, I do the, know the, the energy. <laughs> um, the, the amount of love, and this is where I really learned what love is, because the amount of love that was there was it was so thick you could it was like being underwater, and, and that was that thick you could it felt like, like you could swim through. It's like you were swimming in love. That's a nice yeah, exactly I like that swimming yeah. in love. Yeah. And what did but, they tell you, the Andromedans? The Andromedans, we were talking about the earth. Yeah. Uh, but I don't remember a whole lot of that conversation, only that it was a little discussing about the planet. You know, I've been like they've told me about the planet, the pollution, and how there is technology that can clean it up. There's technology available that can um, change the way that we, we live, um, especially with the energy devices and that sort of thing. So I just hope that. We get to that point. I, I know we will. Eventually we will because... Well, what do you think would stop us getting to that point? Like I was thinking about this this morning as I was setting up actually. It's funny how you have thoughts run through your mind. I was thinking about crimes to humanity. So if what's being discussed on secret, um, on cosmic disclosure is true and there is this incredible technology out there for instant healing and, and instant cleaning up of uh, pollution and instant, you could, like he talks about having machines that, um, replicators that you can, like in sci-fi movies, that you can press a button and food is replicated from out of the, you know, from the energy. It's just the molecules are replicated into food. And and so we could feed all the starving people in the world and, and illness can be cured. And if that, technology exists within a government structure um, and not in some parallel universe, you know, a future universe, but actually exists here and now. It is a crime to humanity that we're not using it. But then again, you know, that seems far-fetched, but we can just bring it down to the amount of money that's in the world and the amount of people that are starving. That's a crime to humanity. Mm-hmm. And so what do you think it's going to take for this unity consciousness to really spread across our planet where we stop suffering? What do you think it'll take? Well, okay. I'm aware that 
there is people that, that there are groups that are slowly working on the technology side of things and they've tried to implement it at a, a government level which hasn't worked so then now it's going to be implemented at a ground level but look I'll, I'll run a scenario by you let's just say that someone had contacted someone high up within the, the oil energy sector and they said look well, we've got this technology and it's just a hypothetical you know we've got this technology it can change you know the, the planet and let's just say the response may have been well we've already got that technology but we don't have to use it yet and you know as i said it's just hypothetical um so but i think it's going to be up to the people like i've seen technology that energy devices that could um, be implemented at, at a home level that could eliminate your bill. And they're not expensive. They don't require a, a lot of stuff. You know, like the known stuff is the cash, cashy cash stuff, but there's other a technology, that resonant-type technology that has no moving parts. It just works off the, the energy field. But I think we've reached a point where that's becoming more known. Now we're in the past inventors or of that technology would be either bought out or not sort of had much of a life after that. We do need to we need to get to that point where because obviously I've been shown that parallel Sydney for a reason. Yeah, I found that with doing my life. I get shown the different things for for reasons. Um, and the information that's been brought forward is for reasons to because my goal is to help humanity because I'm aware of, of that as well because of one experience that I had and the reason for coming back. But I think it's up to the individuals to want to have that change because being aware of what's possible and then wanting to do that, and it's part of the thought as well. Yeah, um, exactly. We, I mean, all, the, the whole point of this show and having this conversation with you and seeing, you know, and discussing what's possible is to bring it into our awareness. And just like my guides when they told me about focus, when we focus on what's possible, we bring it into reality because what we're being presented through our news media is like all the probabilities of what's going wrong and, and how we're killing the planet and how we're killing each other and, and it's all bad news, right? And so not many solutions are presented to us and it is our focus that is the most powerful part of us. So when we can grasp onto a concept and focus our energy, our mind, our thoughts in that direction, we bring, you know, we use our powerful, our power to bring it into reality. And so these discussions about what is possible and to talk about machinery that, you know, all this stuff that seems like sci-fi and impossible, when we start thinking about it as possible, then it very quickly manifests into a collective reality because it's already in a reality that's not the mainstream, but it brings it into a collective reality. So that's the uh, that's the whole point of putting these, you know, shows out into the internet. Yeah, and that's what brings me to the experiences and the what they've told me about technology, and it's based on thought as well. It's based um, on thought. Yeah. Like, I had an experience years ago. I was working at um, the old Wanty Power Station, which has been closed down since the 70s. I worked in security for about eight years. And I, I got in the back seat and I had reached down to get something that was behind the front seat. And 
all I could hear was this loud metallic noise. I couldn't move, like I was paralysed. And back then I thought, oh, I'm being attacked, you know. It was, so I was trying to fight it and eventually I fought it off. I got out of the car. But then in 2011 I was um, laying down and I heard the same noise except um, I was being transported to somewhere else and there was these beings there and they, you know, they said, look, don't, don't fight it, just relax, it's, it's okay. And that's where they told me all this information about DNA and, the, you know, the different DNA families that exist on the, on the planet. Then there was probably about 2012, I think it was, I was at work one day and I was doing split shifts. So I was, I was having a, a rest in the car and I was lying down and I wasn't asleep, I was, you know, just resting and I heard that same metallic noise and the same thing they said just just relax and so but they told me what it was it's the technology that they use it's a three-wave theta theta technology that they use to teleport people onto the craft and essentially what it is it's thought that's been amplified to a point where it interacts with matter Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thought yeah, does right, interact yeah. with matter. I mean, thought does interact with matter. It yeah. does. But it's like that much that it's instantaneous. It, like that it. it's instant because we're inside this third-dimensional paradigm. We are inside a buffer of time. So mm-hmm. we don't see thought manifesting instantly, exactly. We, you know, right. and, and we don't see the correlation between what we're thinking and what's happening to us and therefore we play a victim to outside events because we don't realise that we've actually brought that into our life by virtue of what we've been thinking and how we've been feeling, you know, the, the focus, what we've been focused on. That's why people don't understand that being upset, complaining, judging people, it brings all that same frequency back into your life, the law of attraction. It's a classic law of attraction. So the extraterrestrial, higher dimensional or interdimensional beings understand this so well and they're outside a different time zone so there's not such a buffer of time that they just use that frequency to yeah, manifest instantly, even inside our third, right. third dimensional, even inside our buffer of time it, because they can yeah. do things like, you know, like you're talking about teleport bodies and walk through walls and they've, they've seemed to have got it, they've seemed to have... Um, Got it sorted out. But we're going to have to wrap it up now. Is there anything else that you'd like to, you know, a message you'd like to share with people before we close? Well, there's still so much. What we've discussed is only a small part. But look, the message is regardless of what happens in your life, don't let it define who you are because who you are is so much greater than the experiences that you've had. Practice unconditional love, compassion and thankfulness with everyone, regardless of what's happening, because that's the way to move forward within yourself and raise your vibration. Everything's frequency. Everything's frequency. That's it, really, that's it. And what you think you create. And the same with the experiences I've had with the ETs. If I focus on a particular being or whatever that, they show up. They do show up. Physically, they show up. Um, and sometimes it scares the crap out of me because I'm not expecting it. Because uh, <laughs> you're still driving a human mind, a human mind and ego. 
Exactly. Like I read this book by an author who is well known for contact with different beings. I thought, like, I haven't met these beings before. So I would like to meet them. And telepathically, I said, look, you know, if you're going to show up, wake me up gently. Don't just wake me up. And, you know, but sure enough, like, I get woken up and this being standing at the bottom of the bed and I'm in panic mode and like, I just close my eyes and, you know, but Susanna knew as well that it was there and I've actually seen that being since physically um, in another location. But but the best thing is just really unconditional love is the biggest thing. Yeah. Brad, thank you so much for chatting with us. Thank you so much. Thanks, darling. (laughs) Blessings to you. Thanks. And uh, you haven't got a website or a book to promote or anything, but... uh, No, not yet. As I said, I've I've documented all that. Yeah, a work in progress. But if people want to contact you, how can they find you? Um, Look via Facebook. Um, Look for Brad Thornton on Facebook. I'm friends with Mary Rodwell and... Um, and if people want to email Brad, just contact me through my channel and I'll uh, yeah. send you Brad's email address. Thanks, honey one. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. And remember, if you'd like to join us in the Inner Sanctum, if you're a New World teacher or if you're somebody that has extraordinary circumstances that you'd like to share with the world, contact me and become a part of our little tribe in the Inner Sanctum. Or if you'd like to have a personal reading... What I do is I check out those subconscious habitual thought forms that are stressing you out, help you work with them instead of against them, help you find yourself and awaken you to your true potential. Thanks for listening to another show, Accentuating the Positive. Bye for now. Clap along if you feel-